Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. Hey, here we are. I am joined today by a serial entrepreneur, a chief growth officer, a, a LinkedIn one-on-one coach who with over half a million followers can back up the talk with proof. By his own admission, he's obsessed with Web3, blockchain, AI, the metaverse, and kindness, animals, humanity, and our earth. Uh, those last few will get you qualifies you to get on the show. I don't know much about those first few, so we're, no, no, that's kind of the idea of this episode. And I presume that's the short list of of uh, his interests. When I look for interviews for the podcast, I generally look for either an expert or someone with an interesting story. Uh, it's a rare combination to find both in a single individual. But I'm admittedly in awe of Corey Lapiche Warfield. He is just all over the place in terms of his interests. Not just figuratively, he's literally all over the place. He's in Brazil right now. He joins me from Rio. Welcome to the program, Corey Lapis-Schwarfield. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for having me, and thanks for everyone to tune in. Well, there's there's so much ground to cover with you, Corey. Uh, let's start with like your life story in a nutshell. Uh, take me from childhood to Brazil, uh, and then I got a slew of techie questions for you. But tell, give us the Perfect. backstory. Yeah, so I'm I'm an anomaly. I I don't I don't kind of belong in any of the boardrooms that I that I sit in or in you know any of those things at this point. I spent most of my adulthood as a waiter and bartender. Um, so all through my 20s and most of my 30s, I was I was slinging steaks. Got certified as a sommelier, ran some wine, food, and beverage programs, things like that. And I was getting close to 40. Realized I was a servant in the castle. I was making six figures, waiting on some of the people I grew up admiring, uh, but I didn't feel good, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I was working two full-time jobs. And my feet always hurt. And I felt like I was 100 years old and I was just getting beyond burnt out. And so I, I just went crazy and started a tech company. No clue how to do anything, right? <laughs> I didn't know about marketing or social media or coding or Sounds like me in the podcast. Yeah, go ahead. 
<laughs> and yeah, right. I watched a, a couple of YouTube videos called Draper U with Tim Draper. I read the book, The Lean Startup, and, and the book called The Attraction by Gabriel Weinberg. And that was it. Mm. Somehow, I used Craigslist. And this was not like 20 years ago. This is seven <laughs> years ago. I used Craigli Craigslist to find a, a co-founder, technical co-founder, bootstrapped a, a product to market to help make scheduling in the restaurant industry more predictable using data and machine learning. And ultimately, we raised a fair amount of money, scaled it to some large national accounts. I exited that company a few years ago and joined a, an organization, a global organization called the Founder Institute. And at this point, I've, I've been managing director there, entrepreneur in residence, mentor in excellence. Uh, we've, we've launched through my cohorts a couple hundred startups. And wow. some of them have grown pretty big. Some of them have raised big rounds of funding. Um, I, I'm still with them years later, and I love it. And, you know, being so close to companies starting up and being, you know, quote unquote visionary, I can't stop it. So I keep starting companies and I've gotten better at delegating. So typically I'll find someone that wants to be CEO because I don't I don't wear that hat so well. It doesn't fit <laughs> me as well. Um, but but I really over the course of the last few years realized that I don't like crypto. I don't like NFTs, but I love blockchain. I mm. love AI. And that's really become my, my world. We're, we're using blockchain to help solve for universal basic income um, and to change the coaching industry is kind of two use cases. Um, but so, yeah, and along the journey, somehow I, I figured out how to use LinkedIn pretty well. And so at this point, I'm about to use in and um, you know, I've, I've got some really, really amazing contacts there and, you know, up to the person that created LinkedIn and stuff like that. Um, wow. It's been an interesting journey. Yeah, I, we're definitely going to talk uh, LinkedIn in a little bit. But the first thing I really want to ask you about, and that's chat GPT. I, I see it all over the place. I see it on social media. I just, I hear people talking about it. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Corey, I'm a novice. I'm a kindergartner. I, what the hell is chat GPT? Why should I, what, why do I need to know about this thing? Well, it's one of those things where the, the input directly impacts the output, but ChatGPT effectively is an artificial intelligence assistance, uh, assistant, rather. And uh, you can use it to do anything from write books and screenplays to doing your taxes. How, um, how, does, how does that work? I mean, I've, I've heard that, what you just said. How does it write a book for me? So that, to be very, to be very, very brief, what you would do to get it to write a book for you is to ask it to act as a, well, you know, a New York Times bestselling author, give it a persona, just like if you had a real person assistant or a, a real person ghostwriter, you'd want to train them, right, and, and bring them up to speed. So you always want to give ChatGPT a persona, but then you would ask it to come up with some ideas for your book. Then you'd ask it to come up with a list of cha chapters. Then you tell it to make the title names a little bit more fun wow. and every step of the way. Right. And so all of a sudden, once you've gone through enough iterations and it's come up with the chapters, you say, that sounds great. Now write chapter one for me. And you can tell <laughs> it what the character count or the word count is. You can tell it what type of uh, voice. I used to love a journalist named Dave Barry, who was hilarious. So I ask it sometimes to write me stuff kind of, you know, a la Dave Barry. And, and it's pretty good. It'll make me laugh. Um, wow. But so it'll, it'll write you short chapters for each one. So I can, so I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just so intrigued by this. Well, so I can say, I mean, how do I give it John Grisham's 
personality. Let's say I want to write a legal thriller. How do I give it John Grisham's personality? I have it read all of John Grisham's books. It's already done that. <laughs> That's, so that GPT is GPT is the the name of the language that OpenAI came up with, and different companies have different languages. But GPT is trained on virtually all data from the internet through September 2021. So you wow. can you can go on Chat GPT. I'll give you a great use case. You can go on and ask it to summarize any one of John Grisham's books, and it will immediately summarize it for you. So I, I know a guy, every single day, he asks ChatGPT to summarize a different book for him. And when he's intrigued, he'll say, well, tell me a little bit more about what they say. You know, you can take The Alchemist by Paul Coelho and say, okay, so <laughs> tell me what happened when he first got to Peru. And it'll tell you exactly, right? And so you can say, okay, now give me a little bit more back. You can ask it to write a part two to The Alchemist <laughs> and to write it in the style of John Gretchen, and wow. it'll do it. That's amazing. Okay, how do I have how do I get access to this? It's free. <laughs> right? You literally just go to openai.chatgpt.com, I believe, or you just google chatgpt and it'll come right up. Their business model right now is that they ask people to pay 20 bucks a month if you want the newest best version and you never want to be in a queue because there are about 100 million active users. And sometimes it gets overwhelmed when, you know, too many millions are on there at the same time for free. But so you pay 20 bucks if you love it. And, you know, until then, you just use wow. it for free. And so, there are people that use it every day for free. You don't need to pay them anything. Wow. Well, back. So back to you. I know that you were actually in on chat GPT before I started hearing about it. Like, right. You were in on it early. How did you know? <laughs> How did you get in on it? So, you know, the, the, the founders of the company include Elon Musk and, and Sam Altman. It's part of a bigger company called OpenAI. And I've been studying them for a number of years, actually. And one of the first use cases before it was available to the public, and it, this was something Elon was, was really excited about, but was writing fake news stories. And it could write really good fake news stories. Um, so I, I was anxiously waiting. I, I got a chance to play with it a little bit before it was out. And it wasn't quite as good then. And although it did more things than it could now because they didn't put so many guardrails on it. But the day that it was released to the public, I, I think I was probably on within minutes of it being released to the public. And it was really, it was so much fun because initially it was telling me all the things it couldn't do. I wanted to come up with a financial uh, plan with a financial model for one of my startups. And it said, I'm an AI. I can't do that. Mm. So I thought, well, wait a minute. I don't like that response. Right? <laughs> it's not, not that I don't know how to respect a no, but I don't like to take no for an answer. And so about 20 minutes later, this thing was banging out a beautiful financial model. Wow. And I said, well, wait, can you format it for my Google Sheets? And it did it. So I said, okay. So 20 minutes ago, this thing's telling me it can't do it. Now it's giving me the most perfect output that I could think of. Um, and so I was, I was then wanting it to write a stand-up comedy routine about a historical figure. And I, I, I was wanting it to be kind of, kind of racy um, <laughs> and, and it wouldn't do it. It was like, that's not accurate about, you know, this, this guy. Um, and it wouldn't do it. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Like I'm, I'm telling it, it's a comedy routine. I'm telling it, it's no, not based on reality. And so I took that as my second challenge. And a few minutes later, it was writing this really funny stand-up routine <laughs> about Buttafogo, where it was, a, it was an explorer and there's a neighborhood here in Rio called, called Buttafogo. Um, and 
and it was writing it. And that's when I really realized this thing can do almost anything if you know how to act with it. Wow. Right. It, yeah. Fascinating. It, 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 I, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, man. Um, wow. There's so well, much. Mark, just, briefly, just briefly. And I know you're not a, a techie either, but this thing can write computer code really well. So let me in ask different you programming languages. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. If you were going to utilize chat GPT, to let's say uh boost a podcast i'm asking for a friend uh he wanted to you know improve your podcast downloads or i don't know the marketing scheme of the podcast I don't, I don't know how like how would you use it to grow a podcast so that's a great question and here's the great answer this is why i love chat gpt so much you would ask chat gpt to act as a leading marketer for a top 10 podcast and you would ask it how to market it and it'll come up with ideas and you can poke holes and you ask it to go down this rabbit hole or that rabbit hole. I'll give you one really good way that you could do it is you would tell it about the podcast or your friend's podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you would then give it all the information you needed it to know. And then you would ask it to come up with 50 quotes for quote cards for Instagram. Hmm. And it'll come up with 50 amazing quotes on the spot that are relevant and germane to the podcast and your audience. And if you don't like them, you ask for more. You say, hey, can you make them a little wittier? Those are too clever. Those are too cliche. But you iterate it until it gets to where you like them. Wow. You can then do a bulk import with that into Canva. Canva's playing really nice with AI right now as well. And within three minutes, less than three minutes, depending on how proficient you are with Canva, it will make you all 50 of those quote cards with different infographics and, and optimized for Instagram. And you can then start doing a post today on Instagram, tagging the podcast. And if you play with some of the right hashtags there, those posts start to catch some, some, some heat, right? They, they catch fire. You can ask ChatGPT how to make those posts do better on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, man, this is uh, fascinating. I am actually proficient at Canva. Uh, I mean, I had to learn from scratch, but I use I use Canva for everything that I do with promotion for the podcast. But uh, but you, it's funny that you bring up Instagram. So I'm on four social platforms, and LinkedIn's my bread and butter. That's where my big that's where my audience is. That's where I spend most of my time. Um, I have a similar following on Twitter, but nobody on Twitter seems to want to listen to podcasts. I don't know. I don't I don't see the numbers jump up when I promote on Twitter versus when I do on LinkedIn. But uh, Instagram is just, it's the desert for me, man. It's tumbleweeds and crickets. I just can't get any traction there at all. So it's interesting that you bring that one up. So I'm, I'm going to tell my friend to follow through on your suggestions. I don't want to run out of all time just talking about that. Tell me what, what is a metaverse? What, what is that? So to me, the metaverse is humanity's entree into the fourth dimension. And it's effectively a digitized version of whatever world you want. And we're using the metaverse for things like uh, reconstructing the past. And you, you, you can use virtual reality, goggles, headsets, lenses, anything like that, but you don't need it. And I've been, I gave the keynote uh, last year in, at the Metaverse Expo in Las Vegas, about how if your metaverse can't be accessed through a smart TV or a phone, you're you're not a true metaverse. It's it's a digital experience or reality that can be built off of reality. 
And we're using metaverses for things like exploring outer space, right, already, or doing virtual networking. There, there's been some metaverse concerts on a couple different platforms where if you put on your headset, right, I've got my Oculus over there, it feels like you're in the concert. You can look around and see the other people there. You can get right up on stage. So it really is a digital immersive uh, reality. But there, you know, fa Facebook's meta um, has kind of moved off of the metaverse a little bit. But one of the things that they're starting to show is how doctors can use digital realities in real time to see things like how a patient's uh, injuries will heal or how a body will take certain medicines. And I think, you know, the metaverse was a buzzword for a while. And, and then all of a sudden AI became big and everyone kind of stopped talking about the metaverse. But it really is just a way to extend your physical life into the digital. And we, we talk a lot about physical, uh, fidgetal, which is a, the combination thereof. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you start to look at things like what happens when you use AI in a metaverse with real things like 3D printing or nanobots or some of these things, exoskeletons, you start to realize how humanity can start to use these technologies together to become things like uh, extend the life expectancy by hundreds of years or become interplanetary species fairly quickly um, mm -hmm. or live in the past, right? They're using this for uh, to actually reconstruct like your grandmother's right? photorealistic <laughs> version of your grandma that would be trained on as many data points as could exist so that you could actually have a kind of, you know, realistic experience with your grandmother, even if she was deceased 20 years ago. That's right? almost creepy. I mean, I, 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 I'm fascinated by it, but it's also like. I don't know. That would freak me out if I had a conversation with my grandmother. I mean, my grandmother is past and like, uh, I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, weird, and I'm I'm going to explore it more, but it's also like, I don't know how I feel about that yet. That sort of thing. But Most people don't. And, and, and a lot of people are very scared of it. And robots are getting so, so realistic and generative art is getting so realistic. And so there's, there's very little doubt, and at least in my circles and in my mind, that humanity is going to look very different in the next coming months and year than it ever has before. Um, well, I, I, I had a question that if, if we had time, I was going to try to squeeze in. I'm going to jump to it, and then I want to come back to LinkedIn. But uh, um, And that question is, uh, are, are, you, are you concerned at all? about a kind of AI Terminator situation. And for anyone listening that might not be aware, Terminator is a kind of post-apocalyptic movie where machines basically figured out they don't need humans anymore, start a war out uh, and are out to destroy all humans, something like that. Are you not concerned that that's where we're headed? So on the one hand, we're putting a lot of guardrails in place. Um, on the other hand, that is a distinct possibility. Um, I think that in my perspective, the cat's already out of the bag. There is no turning back. I think that the good that this brings outweighs the, the potential negative by orders of magnitude. It's, you know, to, to be a little bit um, pessimistic, an asteroid could hit the Earth at any point and wipe humanity out anyway. Right. So if it's really cool technology that's making us have better lives and do things like provide universal basic income for every human being on earth. And we get to ride that out for years or generations. And then the robots take us over. You know, if we're able to use things like, you know, some of this new technology to reverse climate change and things like that, 
Um, I think that the, the the potential for good far outweighs the potential for bad. But yeah, bad stuff uh, can definitely happen. Well, I'm glad that overall you do have an optimistic viewpoint of it. And I and I tend to I uh there's a a guy that I have uh I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but we talk politics on his podcast and I, I'm sort of a, a routine guest on there. And uh he is He's such a pessimist and I have to, and I'm the optimist. Like, and so that's, we don't actually uh, have like liberal versus conservative battles. We have optimism versus pessimism battles. We're on the same side of the fence politically, but he's just, he's so doom and gloom. And I'm like, man, you're looking at it the wrong way. But so I I do appreciate your optimism. Um, Let's talk LinkedIn for a second. 520,000, something like that. I don't know. It's over 500,000, over half a million followers. Dude, come on, man. I mean, I know that you coach and you decide, I don't want you to have to reveal all your secrets, but I mean, how do I get to 500,000? Well, the, the easy way would either be to buy my master class or to hire me as your coach. But <laughs> re- realistically, um, you're already on your way to doing it. And I'll, I'll give all my secret sauce right now. It's, you know, I love to help people, um, you know, as much as I can. And, and I don't need everyone to, to pull out their, their wallets for me. Um, but here's the thing about LinkedIn. No one is there to buy and no one is there to learn. If you want to buy, you go to Amazon or Google. If you want to learn something, you go to you know, anywhere but LinkedIn, usually right. YouTube. <laughs> LinkedIn figured that out to the extent that they started a new company with a new app and new leadership called LinkedIn Learning because they realized no one goes to LinkedIn to learn. Now, people are open to learning on LinkedIn. People are open to buying on LinkedIn, but no one wants to be taught because that's condescending and nobody wants to be sold to because it's really freaking annoying. But everyone is on LinkedIn to sell something, whether it's themselves as an employee, themselves as an employer, or they're selling a course, a coaching, a book, uh, a widget, uh, an investment outlook. And I I looked at your content, you already do this really well. What most people don't do is speak with their audience. Most people show up and they talk at their audience. And the big thing by orders of magnitude that one can do on LinkedIn is optimize their profile. Right. Your headline, the first portion of your headline can be seen by as many people as see your posts. So if you're getting 100 views a day, 100 people see that beginning of your headline. If you're getting 100,000, that's 100,000 people. So right right now, I I typically get about 100,000 views a day of my my profile and my content. That's 100,000 people that see not only am I a chat GPT expert, and that's one of the things I do to keep the lights on is I teach corporates how to use ChatGPT really well. Mm-hmm. And then right afterwards, I see that I create LinkedIn influencers. That headline has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. the right people when they're ready come to me and say, how does this work? I say, well, it's really easy. I'll coach you. First, we optimize your profile. Then we optimize your content. Within weeks, you're going viral every single day. Yeah. And typically, I get people that work with me up to 100,000 followers You know, with, within well, within a, a year, but usually within you know, six one, months or something like that. Wow. And I don't, I don't coach them that whole time. I just coach people for a month and then they're, they're growing every day in every yeah. way. Yeah, but it's, it's half psychology and it's half computer science. And when you figure out the algorithm, which is the science part, and then the psychology, which is really just not talking at your audience and not trying to sell them too hard. Well, that's, I mean, any growth that I've had, it's been because I, I did realize uh, at one point that, like if I just came on and I just pushed the podcast the whole time, I nobody would because I think about it from a consumer pers- uh, perspective. If I'm looking at LinkedIn and all, and one person all they do is push a podcast, 
I'm not going to connect or follow them or I'm going to mute them or what block them maybe, you know? So, you know, I decided um, not only is it better for the podcast, if I make genuine connections, it's better for my livelihood. I, I like, I've made genuine friends on LinkedIn. I enjoy being there. I enjoy the conversations. I enjoy, you know, chatting with people in the comments and, and once a week I throw a podcast promo out, but the other six days I, I'm making friends or, you know, trying to talk to people, communicate with people. Well, and here's the thing. LinkedIn is a free 24 seven global networking event. And so when you use it right, your profile can be getting the podcast in front of the right people, literally while you sleep, while you're on vacation, right. you don't need to post about that much. You just need your profile to get the right people there and go, wow, this guy seems pretty cool. I see he has a podcast. Sounds pretty cool. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. Right. So it's it's almost the anti-sale. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to, to look at it. Well, uh, what what do you got going on now? I mean, I guess LinkedIn coaching is is it how can people find you? Uh anything else you wanna put out there? Well, you know, I, I'm doing so much that that I think it would almost do a disservice to your audience to go down the laundry list. If people <laughs> want to find me, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, C-O-R-Y, you know, many people misspell that. And then Lapis Warfield. Um, I'll put and, a link you know, in the, I'll put a link in the notes so they can go straight to your profile. Perfect. And I try to follow back my followers that, that look cool. So if, if people listening, follow me, I'll try to follow them back. There is an arbitrary limit on connections, so it's harder. Thirty thousand, I think, something like that. Yeah, okay. and so well, you know, once every couple months, I look to see who who I've never really gotten to know and who's not as germane to my my you know offerings, and and I do make room to add more people. Um, Mark, right before the show, I was I was saying, wait, I need to be connected to this guy. I've been following <laughs> you, but I need so so I I already made room, and we get off. I'm going to send you a connection request because I want to be connected to you. I, it would I'm be an honor, man. <laughs> I'm loving you and I'm loving the, the Zen Sammy podcast. So uh, absolutely. But yeah, if, pe if people find me and see something that, that rubs them the right way, feel free to reach out. I'm always looking to collaborate with people and, and help, you know, any ways that I can. Great. Well, um, one thing I do on Zen Sandwich is uh, I, well, I try to do a, a segment called Five Minutes Zen. It doesn't have to, it doesn't necessarily have to do anything with Zen. Just uh, I like try to give people a practical uh, solution to or mindset you know, something that they can apply to their day. So uh, the question I have for you is like, uh, we've already talked a little bit about optimism. How can we have a sense of optimism about the future? Like when we do read the doom and gloom stuff about AI, like, oh, it's taken over our jobs and, and whatnot. Um, you seem to still have a positive mindset about it. Uh, how can we feel good about where tech is going? Well, you know, I'd say at any given moment, any person in the world can choose to tune into negativity or, 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 or positivity. And, you know, when some people say AI is going to take our jobs, I, I push back a little bit and say, well, it's probably not, but someone that knows how to use AI probably will, right? The people that are <laughs> these, these, you know, Luddites that are so resistant about these things that they cannot stop anyway, they will get left behind to a degree. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're working on things. I think that everybody should become a coach, right? I really think, you know, and all coaches, we all hire and work with other coaches. 
And AI will not be able to replace coaches. Now, there's there's things like technologies like blockchain and Web3 that can help coaches actually coach more and take on a lot of the workflow that they don't actually get paid for or want to do that's not their expertise. We're solving for that at one of my companies called Coaching to Web3. But so I think people should be coaches. Right? I also think that if we are able to solve for universal basic income and people don't need to rely on jobs to provide for their families, all of a sudden, who cares if the technology takes your jobs, if the technology is still paying you? That's in, it. In, right. Yeah. But it, there's, there's always going to be people that, that, you know, misery loves company and that, that want to say how bad things are going to be. And it's I look back at virtually every generation for hundreds and probably thousands of years that thought the world was going to end with them. Right? I have said and, this so many times. You have no idea, Corey. And and that the you know the world gets progressively better. I I know that there are there's still lots of stuff to fix out there. I mean, from racism to whatever else. But if if this were a podcast 150 years ago, we'd be debating slavery right now. You know, it'd be like we we would be so far behind where we are now. And I I do see that you know it's it's getting better, not worse. Well, uh, I, man, I hate, I got to wrap it up here, but uh, it's been a blast. Um, well, folks, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, check us a few bucks, buy us a cup of coffee. Uh, you can find out how to do that at zensandwich.com. It's at the top of the page. You can make a one-time donation. Hey, five bucks is great. Uh, or become a monthly Patreon supporter for just three bucks a month if you want. Uh, it's up to you. Thank you for those of you who do support the show. Corey, it's been fascinating. You're an intriguing dude. I uh, I'm, I already am scheduling you to come back on for some other time. <laughs> Perfect. I'll come back tomorrow, Mark. This is I've done hundreds of podcasts, and this is one of my favorites. And I, I've awesome. never said that before. And this is you know, you've got me recorded saying it. I also am going to be rebooting my Corey Connects podcast. I got lazy throughout COVID, and I realized that wasn't really a a big income stream for me, and so it was kind of just a give and. You know, when it when it didn't take off like I thought it might, I, I kind of threw, threw my arms in the air and, and haven't recorded anything for a while. Actually, the, the podcast company that I was using had the wrong email. And so a couple episodes got lost in the ether. And I just, <laughs> but so I say all that to say this. I'm going to reboot my show. I'd love to have you on at some point as well. You got it. You got it, brother. All right. Thanks, Corey. Till next time. Thanks, Mark. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.